Our scripture this morning comes from the 12th chapter of the Gospel of John, where we will begin reading at the 12th verse and concluding at the 19th. Hear God's word for us today. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches, went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, church, we are almost there. We are one week away from Easter Sunday morning, and we've spent our Lenten journey preparing the way and celebrating the victory of Christ. Now, if you've been along the journey with us, you know that this sermon series was connected to a shocking study that I heard about, a study that revealed that over 70% of Christians who regularly attend worship, who participate in the life of their congregation, didn't really understand what victory meant. And so we've spent the last several weeks unpacking victory, victory over fear, victory over exclusion, victory over failure, victory over injustice. And now this week, we turn our attention to victory over betrayal. Now, when I preached last Sunday, I shared that victory over injustice was the very first topic that sprang to my mind when I was working on this series. And that's because, Anita, justice is at the top of Jesus' list. But today's focus? Betrayal? Now that did not so easily come to mind. Because betrayal is not something that I first learned in church or in scripture. No, betrayal is something that I learned in grandma daycare. Now, grandma daycare is not to be confused with preschool and daycare programs like we have here at Noblesville First. You know, the kind that offer um, only organic food menus, yoga, fine arts, and, and uh, Mandarin or sign language. No, my grandma daycare had only non-organic food on the menu. 
And the featured daily special was fried bologna sandwiches. And if you ate every single crumb, then, then grandma would take a popsicle, break it in half, and then a riot would break out to determine who would get the bigger side. But then once that was complete, we would enter into daily story time. Now, not to be confused with Dr. Seuss or the Bernstein Bears, I'm talking about stories, her stories, the days of our lives. <laughs> At Grandma Daycare, I discovered through the days of our lives what betrayal looked like. Twin sisters who were separated at birth, who became engaged to the same man only to realize that he was really their half-brother. <laughs> Betrayal looked like a murderer on trial who then faked his own death, came back to life, ran for judge, and dismissed his own case. Or, my favorite, betrayal looked like an angry mistress who had facial reconstruction surgery to conceal her identity and then kidnapped the lover who scorned her. You see, in Grandma Daycare, I learned that betrayal was something that we saw on television, something that happened to ridiculously morally bankrupt and good-looking people. <laughs> and like sands through the hourglass, these were the days of their lives. But but not ours. You see, to my childlike mind, betrayal was not something that, that real people or, or real disciples had to deal with. After all, if justice is at the top of Jesus' list, then the church must be full of just, kind, loving, ethical, and honest people. None of you said yes to that. I'm worried about you. But you would be right. Because when we read the 12th chapter of the Gospel of John, we learn that this make-believe expectation is tempered by the reality of Jesus' journey. See, here Jesus has arrived near the gates of the holy city of Jerusalem where he will celebrate the Passover. He, along with the 2.5 million other Jews that would annually come to the city to celebrate this high and holy day. Now, when Jesus arrives, he is greeted by this adoring crowd of thousands of people. People that are waving palm branches like the ones that you received when you entered the sanctuary. Palm branches were an ancient symbol of victory, of power, and they shouted from the top of their lungs, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Now we know throughout scripture that Jesus liked to avoid crowds, but he could not avoid this one. Because Jerusalem, like many ancient cities, was designed with one road in and one road out. It was designed this way to fortify the city, to protect it against enemies. And so if Jesus wants to celebrate the Passover, if Jesus wants to get to Jerusalem, then he will have to face the crowd. He'll have to face the crowd of people that are shouting Hosanna today, but the crowd of people that he knows tomorrow 
will be shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And my brothers and sisters, that's perhaps the first lesson that we learn in victory over betrayal. That every disciple who follows Jesus will one day have to face the crowd. Let me say that again. Every disciple who follows Jesus will one day have to face the crowd. That means those that are sitting on the right of the sanctuary, those that are sitting on the left, those that are sitting in the back or on the chancel, we will all have to face the crowd. Now, our crowds probably won't be waving palm branches or shouting Hosanna in the highest. But we'll still have to face them. People who betray us. People who let us down. People who disappoint us. People who challenge us. We will meet them on the journey of following Jesus. And the reason why is simple. Because the path of discipleship isn't just milk and honey, peace and prosperity. It's also a road that leads to the crowd. Betrayal, challenge, resistance, and seasons of our lives where we will have to suffer for Christ. Now, if you're wondering what this looks like, Consider what celebrated German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer describes as the cost of discipleship. This tension that arises when we're following Jesus and it puts us on a collision course with the crowd. Now, Bonhoeffer was not only writing about this challenge, but he lived this challenge as a pastor and theologian residing in Nazi Germany. He watched as a wave of anti-Semitism swept over his country and his fellow pastors and preachers and other Christians abandoned the course of Christ and instead they joined the crowd. The crowd of hateful and exclusive ideology. The crowd that followed the final solution of Hitler. And yet Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer had to face them. He refused to abandon the mission of Christ. He refused to lay down his theology that welcomed all people. And so he lost relationships. He lost his job. He lost his freedom. He was betrayed by people he thought were his friends. And he even lost his life. But as he wrote to loved ones during his incarceration, he was, quote, willing to pay the cost of discipleship. He was willing to meet the crowd head on and to suffer betrayal rather than betray the cause of Christ. And I can't help but wonder if you would have the same response. If I would have the same response, are you willing to pay the cost of discipleship? Are you willing to keep journeying with Jesus even when you have to face the crowd? Even when they betray you? 
When they crucify your character or your reputation, are you willing to pay the cost of discipleship? Now, I know that's not an easy set of questions. But as you consider your answer, I I want to share two reasons why you can say yes to following Jesus and have victory over the betrayal of the crowd. And the first answer can be summarized in just two words. Write this down. Keep moving. You see, when Jesus faced the crowd, he had a choice. He could stay on the path of purpose that God had given him, or he could make a U-turn. He could redirect himself based on the expectations that other people had of him. And the crowd has a lot of expectations. Jesus' crowd expected him to be their warring leader who would take on the empire of Rome, who would overthrow it and install himself as exalted king. The crowd expected Jesus to use the power that he had displayed healing people and raising Lazarus from the dead to take over and claim this land as, as his own and to put them in power over the people who had ruled over them. And while these same people would end up betraying him and shouting, crucify him, they didn't defeat Jesus. They didn't defeat Jesus because betrayal only defeats us when it keeps us still. Let me see if I can make this plain. I know that we've been talking about betrayal as this abstract concept. But for those of us who have experienced it, you know how deeply it hurts. Betrayal cuts us to the core. When people that we love, people that we've invested in, people that we've given time to, when they disappoint us. In fact, a few years back, a team of therapists and cardiologists published a joint study where they analyzed the physical versus the psychological effects of betrayal. They compared the stress levels and the stress hormones within the bodies of those who had been in combat in war zones and those who had been betrayed by people that they loved. And do you know what they found? They found that both of these subjects had the same level of stress hormones in their bodies. Because betrayal can hurt as much as a physical wound. In fact, it hurt Jesus. When we turn to Luke's rendition of this same story, Luke tells us that when Jesus looked over the city of Jerusalem, he broke down in tears. He was emotionally overcome by the fact that the same people who were celebrating him would be the same people that would crucify him. Jesus was hurt, but he kept moving. Jesus was disappointed, but he kept moving. Jesus was devastated, but he kept moving. Jesus was betrayed, but he kept moving. And I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, But God sent me here to remind you of two words. Keep moving. God knows you were betrayed. God knows that they hurt you. 
But God wants to remind you that you were made with a mission. So keep moving. You were designed with a purpose, so keep moving. And the only way that betrayal defeats you is if it stops you. Because you see, Jesus gained victory over betrayal because he didn't let it stop him from moving. It didn't let him or keep him from the city where his mission would be complete. He kept moving towards the people who God would use for his purpose. Jesus kept moving, and so can you. Because betrayal defeats us when we stop, when we pause, when the momentum for the mission of God stops us from moving forward. And I know, I know what somebody here is thinking when they hear those words, keep moving. You're thinking, Not me. I'm stuck. I'm stuck in how they treated me. I'm stuck in what they said about me. I'm stuck in how they made me feel. But allow me. Allow me to give you the second and final reason why you can keep moving. And why you can have victory over betrayal. And it's because people change. Now I know somebody here is thinking, pastor, that's it. That's the big idea. But stay with me because it's so profound because it's simple. And it's so simple because it's profound. Let me prove it to you. Last week when we were discussing victory over injustice, I introduced you to my childhood bully, Shauna Davis. Now, Shauna Davis betrayed every kid's trust and hope in a peaceful ride home on the school bus. Shauna Davis was mean. She took the lunches of kids who were smaller and younger and more vulnerable than her. Shauna Davis was cruel. She she mercilessly teased kids about their clothes, their appearance, their weight, even their manner of speech. And Shauna Davis was 10 feet tall. Now, last week I said she was 5'11", but this week she's 10 feet tall. Now, now that last detail may or may not be true, but here's something that is. The last time I saw Shauna Davis, she was a betrayer of kids' trust. She was a disturber of the peace. She was the worst kind of kid to have around. But do you know where Shauna is today? Do you know who Shauna Davis is today? I didn't. But I learned last week that she is friends with my husband on Facebook, Judas. (laughs) And today, Shauna Davis, the 10 feet tall tormentor, is a mother, a wife. And a teacher. And in the 27 years since I've last seen her, Shauna Davis has changed. In fact, as you scroll through her Facebook posts, I'm not saying I stalked her, but as you scroll (laughs) through her Facebook posts, she writes openly about the abuse that she endured at home. 
and how she took that anger out on other children at school. And now she has become a teacher because she believes that God is using her to help heal the broken child within bullies. And get this, she's not 10 feet tall anymore. (laughs) Well, what am I trying to say to you today? When people betray and hurt us, they not only can keep us from moving in God's purpose for our lives, but they can keep us from believing in the hope and the possibility that Jesus can change anybody's life. Because watch this, on Palm Sunday, we often preach about the crowd that blessed Jesus and then betrayed him, right? The crowd that celebrated Jesus and then said, crucify him. But what we fail to remember is that because of the transformative power of Jesus, some people in that crowd of betrayers would be changed into believers. After all, Peter was probably in that crowd. And as Jesus predicted before the rooster crowed three times the next day, Peter betrayed him not once, not twice, but three times. And yet, years later, Peter is the rock on which the church of Jesus Christ is built. Because with Jesus, people in the crowd can change. Paul betrayed Jesus. He made it his mission to hunt down Christians and to organize their executions. But years later, there's no other missionary who's willing to go further or preach longer to spread the good news of the gospel. Because with Jesus, people in the crowd can change. Or if that's not convincing enough, just look in the mirror. Look at who you used to be. Look at what you used to say. Look at who you used to exclude. And look at how Jesus has changed you, transformed you into someone who's not in the crowd but is willing to take on the crowd for the cause of Christ. Because you see, the danger of betrayal is that it defeats that truth in our faith. It locks us into the limitation of people's past mistakes rather than freeing them into the transformative grace of their future in Christ. That's the only way that a bully becomes a teacher. That's the only way that a betrayer becomes the rock on which the church is built. That's the only way that someone who killed Christians becomes someone who's willing to die for Christ. That's the only way that you and me are here today. Because with Jesus, people in the crowd can change. Now, I'm going to my seat. But before I do, I freely admit that I don't know your crowd. I don't know the crowd that you faced. I don't know that the crowd that, that's waiting for you up the road. But I do know this. If you keep moving, moving in God's will and purpose for your life, 
And if you hold on to the hope that Jesus has the power to change the crowd, then you already have the victory. Because the betrayal of people can never defeat the transformative power of God. I pray that you believe that today. I pray that you receive that today. And I pray that you walk in victory.